Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, September 25th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. President Trump's repeated refusal to accept a potential loss this election season has many worried about a constitutional crisis. Meanwhile, 23 states are reporting a rise in coronavirus cases. Approximately 900 U.S. residents are now dying every day from COVID-19 as the pandemic rages on. And from coast to coast, demonstrators taking to the streets in honor of Breonna Taylor as the family's lawyer demands accountability. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. The 2020 presidential election already underway in some states, and President Trump is still refusing to commit to a peaceful transfer of power if he loses the race. The president's comments are setting off worries about the future of American democracy. However, many Republicans try to backtrack and commit to accepting the results. This morning, Capitol Hill is sending President Trump a clear message, unanimously passing a resolution committing to a peaceful transition of power. This as the president continues to cast doubt on a hallmark of American democracy, a free and fair election. The Democrats are trying to rig this election. Across the country, election officials are concerned that President Trump's baseless claims of fraud and a rigged election are already working. We need voters of all backgrounds to know that whoever they cast their vote for, their ballot will be counted and their vote will be secure. The president's own FBI director says he sees no evidence of voting fraud. We have not seen historically uh, any kind of coordinated national voter fraud effort uh, in a major election. Trump insists if he loses in November, it's because the system is rigged and is refusing to commit to a peaceful transition of power. But Republicans are trying to assure Americans that they will respect the Constitution. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell issued a tweet saying there will be an orderly transition in January should Trump lose to Joe Biden. Other lawmakers deflected to Hillary Clinton. Uh, Hillary Clinton said Joe Biden should not accept the result of the election under any circumstances. How many people have you asked on the Democratic side whether or not they would support the outcome of the election? You are not in North Korea. You are not in Turkey. You are in the United States of America. It is a democracy. Meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, the Justice Department sent a letter to Lucerne County officials ordering it to change its practices after nine military ballots were found discarded. I can confirm for you that Trump ballots, um, ballots for the president were found in Pennsylvania, and I believe you should be getting more information on that shortly. Overall, many legal experts believe an ugly post-election legal battle may be up ahead. I spent 38 years as a Republican lawyer going into precincts looking for evidence of fraud. There are, to be sure, isolated cases, but nothing like the widespread fraud that would somehow invalidate an election or cause anyone to doubt the peaceful transfer of power. We are also learning that more than 200 retired generals and admirals endorsed Joe Biden for president, saying he had the character and judgment to serve as commander in chief. Some of these officers had also served under Trump. Joining us now is Shara Torres-Pelesi, professor at Stetson University College of Law. Thanks so much for being here with us today, Professor. Welcome. Thank you for having me. 
So President Trump is standing by on his refusal to commit to a peaceful transition that even the Senate felt compelled to hold a vote to ensure there will be a peaceful transfer of power. So how unprecedented is this? This is completely unprecedented. And President Trump's refusal to commit to a peaceful transition of power is really appalling. Uh, democracy requires whoever loses the election to step aside. The Atlantic reported just yesterday that the Trump campaign is considering subverting election results by asking Republican legislatures to set aside the popular vote over supposed instances of voter fraud. Is this even legal? Can you please help break this all down for us so people can better understand it? So under the Constitution, under Article 2 and the 12th Amendment, the state legislatures have the responsibility to choose how electors will be chosen in their states. All 50 states have already opted to give that choice to the voter. And so the election in each of the 50 states will have to be honored by the electors in their respective states. Now let's go ahead and talk about the Electoral College. Two of the past five presidential elections have resulted in the president losing the popular vote, but winning the Electoral College. And that's what George W. Bush and President Trump, now a new Gallup poll, found that 61% of Americans support getting rid of the Electoral College. And that's what happened to those two pre previous presidents. What would this process be like? Uh, to get rid of the Electoral College, you would have to amend the U.S. Constitution through the Article 5 process, which requires supermajorities in both houses of Congress, as well as ratification by a supermajority of the states. Uh, that's why it's been so rare for the U.S. Constitution to be amended at all. But if you want to get rid of the Electoral College, then that's the process that you would have to go through. How chaotic do you anticipate the vote count to be and the legal challenges ahead? Well, we don't know how chaotic the vote will be. Uh, lots of states will have more voters voting by mail. Uh, processing those ballots will take some time. So I would encourage all of us to be patient. We may not know the winner of the presidency on election day. It may take a couple of days. It may take a couple of weeks, depending on how many mail-in ballots there are and which key states have close electoral results. Patience is key right now. Thanks so much, Chara Torres-Belesi, professor at Stetson University College of Law. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. And early voting kicking off on Thursday in Battlegrounds, Michigan. To mark the occasion, the NBA's Detroit Pistons hosted the unveiling of an official ballot drop box in an effort to get out the vote. In Michigan, you can vote in person or you can apply for an absentee ballot, mark it and return it by mail to an official drop box or simply by taking it to your local clerk. And now to other national news. A federal judge in California is giving census counters more time to finish their work. In August, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross shortened the counting deadline to September 30th as part of a response to COVID-19. But the court ruled on Thursday that the original deadline of October 31st should be reinstated. Supporters of the court's actions say the extra month is a major win for a more accurate census count. 
Critics of the Trump administration say rushing the census count amounted to political interference. They argue that taking the census count every 10 years is supposed to be a neutral, nonpartisan process. And on Capitol Hill, a new congressional investigation has found there was widespread inadequate medical care at some immigration centers that sometimes led to death. The review found that many facilities operated by for-profit contractors lacked sufficient medical staff, failed to provide necessary care for chronic conditions, and had poor sanitation. The House Oversight Committee announced last year that it was investigating the Trump administration's increased use of these centers to detain immigrants. And in our nation's capital, one week after her death, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg will be laid to rest today. Edwin Piti is in Washington, D.C. with the very latest. Edwin. Hi, Andrea. It was 9.30 this morning exactly where the casket of uh, late Justice Ginsburg arrived here on Capitol Hill, but it wasn't until 9.58 where she was led to the statutory hall inside uh, the Congress. She was welcomed by the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and also the Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer. But this was a very private ceremony only attended by family members, special guests, close friends, and members of Congress. We could see in the images that uh, Vice President Joe Biden was there with his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, paying the respect to RBG, but also this is the way the Speaker Pelosi welcomed everybody to this small ceremony. Take a listen. It is with profound sorrow and deep sympathy to the Ginsburg family that I have the high honor to welcome Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg to lie in state in the capital of the United States. She does so on a catafalque built for Abraham Lincoln. May she rest in peace. One of the most emotional moments during the ceremony was when Brian Johnson, personal trainer of RBG, walked by her casket and did three push-ups as a way of paying his respect for her. We do know, according to many documentaries, that RBG had a very uh, strong uh, workout routine, a daily workout routine, and he was a very big part of it. So that was a very emotional part, but after that, her casket was taken to Arlington National Cemetery, where she will lay right next to her husband, who died over 10 years ago. But now the real question is, who will replace her in the Supreme Court? President Trump will be making that announcement tomorrow in the White House at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. But everybody knows that he's expected to announce the name of Judge Amy Coney Barrett. He has met with her several times this week at the White House. So, of course, we're going to be following up that tomorrow here in Washington, D.C. Reporting live on Capitol Hill, Andrea, back to you. An attorney for the family of Breonna Taylor is calling for the Kentucky Attorney General to release the transcripts from the grand jury that decided not to charge any of the officers involved in the black woman's death. Speaking in Louisville just this morning and accompanied by Taylor's relatives, Ben Crump said the transcripts should be released so people can know if there was anyone who gave a voice to Taylor. In a statement read by her sister at the conference, Breonna Taylor's mother, Tamika Palmer, said she did not expect justice from Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron. And now to the latest on the pandemic. The CDC forecasting another 23,000 deaths could happen in the next three weeks as the U.S. comes close to reaching 7 million cases. Infections rising in almost half the country. This as some states vow to conduct their own review of any vaccine approved 
by the federal government. Lorraine Cáceres has more details. The U.S. approaching 7 million cases of coronavirus and the CDC forecasting as many as 23,000 more coronavirus deaths by October 17th. An agency study suggesting young adults appear to be driving the recent community spread, finding that increases in positive cases among 20 to 39-year-olds later led to increases in cases for people older than 60. The city of Boulder now banning both indoor and outdoor outdoor gatherings for groups of any size for 18 to 22 year olds after it found that nearly 80 percent of recent COVID cases in town were affiliated with students at the University of Colorado Boulder. With this firm restriction on gatherings for all 18 to 22 year olds in Boulder, we, fo we are focusing on the virtual events that we can create for students and any other support that they may need while they experience college life in such an altered way. Colorado among 22 states where infections are rising. Dr. Anthony Fauci reminding us all that we are still in the first wave of infections. The only way we're gonna end this is if everybody pulls together. Meanwhile, a day after President Trump raised the possibility that the White House could step in and overrule the FDA if the agency came up with stricter standards, New York and at least five other states and D.C. saying they will conduct their own review of any vaccines that are approved by the federal government, even if that means a delay in distribution. Frankly, I'm not going to trust the federal government's opinion. And I wouldn't recommend to New Yorkers based on the federal government's opinion. Also, Dr. Deborah Burks of the White House Coronavirus Task Force is reacting after reports surfaced that she was distressed with her role. Do I look like a person that's diminished? And we're in the middle of a pandemic that's affecting Americans. And as an American, I think I can do the best service to my country right now by serving in this role. Well, we apologize for losing Lorraine at the end of that report, but we thank you for that. Now, moving on, the director of the World Health Organization says President Trump's decision to pull out of the organization will hurt the U.S. The WHO director told Time magazine he was surprised by the announcement and that there was no hint that the U.S. was planning a withdrawal. The move does not take effect until next July, and Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden says he will reverse the decision if elected. Meanwhile, a new study is revealing that speaking softly could be another method to reduce transmission of the coronavirus. And that's because fewer contaminated particles are released into the air when using a quieter voice. Gianni Aponte has more details. Speaking softly could be one more tool to fight COVID-19. According to experts, shouting or talking loudly can increase the chances of transmitting the virus. Anyone who is talking louder or using more muscle to get their information out is necessarily spreading more viruses out there with more chance of contaminating others. According to scientific studies, speaking in a low voice reduces the amount of saliva aerosol we expel and reduces the risk of spreading COVID-19 by 80 percent. But people with a reputation for speaking louder than usual may find it difficult to follow the medical advice to speak as if they are inside a library. La persona que habla como es. 
People should speak as it is if louder, better, more expressive, and at the same time it adds interest to the conversation. People won't change. They are already changing my life pattern. They make me change that. No, no, with all due respect. Experts say that we breathe out the virus 10 times more when we are talking, 30 times more when we are talking loudly, and 50 times when we are yelling or singing. In theory, a COVID-19 carrier who remains silent can reduce the spread by 98%. Pero lo que este estudio nos demuestra es que sí nos beneficiamos al ser un poco más conscientes. This study shows that we benefit from being a little more aware of the volume we use when talking and the distance we maintain when we do it. Reported by Lourdes del Rio, this is Gianni Aponte for U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. The United Kingdom has added new travel restrictions for people arriving from Denmark, Slovakia, Iceland and Curaçao due to rising cases of coronavirus in that country. Starting Saturday, passengers arriving from those countries will have to self-isolate for 14 days and those failing to comply could face a $13,000 fine. Denmark also updated its travel advice on Thursday, advising against all unnecessary travel to the UK, Ireland, Iceland and Slovenia. Denmark said those countries do not meet, quote, the criteria for low infection rates. Elsewhere in Europe, daily cases of coronavirus in France are at an all-time high. The country reported more than 16,000 new infections on Thursday. Paris public hospitals announced they will start canceling some non-elective procedures in the coming days to make room for some COVID-19 patients. And with the rise in new cases, France is moving close to half a million coronavirus infections. And with coronavirus cases climbing, Spain is implementing new restrictions in parts of the country, but those measures have led to protests. Demonstrators in Madrid say the restrictions affect mainly working class measures and are discriminatory. But the government maintains the new rules are necessary to stop the spread of the pandemic. And closer to home, Mexico surpassed 75,000 confirmed coronavirus deaths on Thursday. The pandemic has ravaged that country's economy. Workers there grappling with the twin threats of hunger and contagion. Mexico has the world's fourth highest coronavirus death toll behind the United States, Brazil and India. But in spite of the numbers, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador on Thursday reiterated that infections and deaths were declining. And also in Mexico, many emergency-related medical services are nearly at capacity due to this pandemic. Now, as Grecia Lastra explains, some ambulance operators are profiting from the suffering and urgent needs of those infected with COVID-19. 
This is how these alleged paramedics abandon a patient on the street because he can't pay for the ambulance service, a service that in Mexico City is free, but some are charging. And if they don't get paid, they leave you behind regardless of the severity of the injuries. These are pirate ambulances that extort money from families with payments ranging from $170 to $350 for short transfers to hospitals and are already on the radar of the authorities. It bothers me because we are stop to check the ambulances and we even take patients and imagine if it is serious. Emergency services can't cope with the high demand due to COVID-19 pandemic and the pirate ambulances are taking advantage. Alejandra was one of their victims, paying half of her monthly salary for an eight miles trip. When we arrived at the clinic, we were told that we had to pay 5,000 pesos to be admitted and the cost of the ambulance service was 3,500 pesos. There is a register of 1,500 regulated ambulances, but the number of pirate or illegal ones is unknown. On many locations, there are vans in bad condition, with little medical equipment and registered with false addresses in other states of the country. It is a business that takes advantage of the need and pain of an injured person and the desperation to get to a hospital. Reported by Alejandro Madrigal in Mexico City, this is Grecia Lastra reporting for U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.